What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 249 of the Cheesy Controller Podcast. I'm your host, Anton LaPlatt. Joining me, as always, we have the Ray Trace Durag Madrid Devon. Hey. And the most generous witnessee, Jalen Roberts. Slide God Richter returns. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about layoffs at Epic Games, the burden of AAA development, uh, a lot of the Embracer group, domino effects. We're going to talk about the Jump MOBA, and we're going to talk about PlayStation Plus Ascension. So, <coughs> of course, we can't just have a quiet week in the gaming space between no. a trillion and one things coming out Nope. this year, and then... So that embracer group reach like deal of two million dollars falling out has just sent reverberations through the industry, finally saying that a lot of this stuff isn't, you know, sustainable. sustainable. This was all just a long time coming up. <clears throat> yeah. Like but it seems like between Unity and the Embracer stuff those are the first dominoes to, and I mean, dominoes have kind of been falling as far as like Activision Blizzard and like the consolidation stuff with Microsoft. And, but it just mm-hmm. really seems like Embracer, the reverberations are being seen far and wide. Right. Cause people like, people will say that corporate consolidation doesn't have any side effects. It does. <laughs> Right. It, and a lot of them are none of them are good, right? Most of them are layoffs, and so the reason it might not be immediately, but we're going to feel those effects. Yeah, for a while now, especially with just the amount of these companies that are just like Epic was doing everything right for a really long time, and it's still like, well, yeah, we just hired way too many people during the pandemic and so even epic it has to raise the price of v-bucks and <clears throat> lay off 16 percent of their workforce just to you know be sustainable right but the thing with that is are the owners board of directors ceos are any of them taking any pay cuts to help compensate for that no, if well, anything, not. they're probably still reporting record fucking margins, right? Not just that, but also, like, number one, CEO's salaries are inflated, just wholesale. Like, you could fund multiple projects off what you're paying them to do barely anything in a year, combined mm. with the fact that the live service bubble is starting to pop a bit, or at least deflate, which is also coming. It's, defla- it's deflating on top of being oversaturated. Right. Right. Because everybody ran and tried to make their own live service game because Fortnite was making money. All right, there's there's already several super massive, large live services, right? And then you have all these like smaller, more niche ones trying to get in where they fit in. But that shit don't work. It's not enough to be sustainable. Strategy. Well, it'll be almost the size of their single player output. Within the next five years, they want to put out that many games 
that which is in, which is insane. <laughs> it's like it's one thing if those live services, live service games respected your time, and they were structured in a way that it was sustainable for them to respect your time. But no, it's it needs your engagement. It needs you to be on there, and it, most importantly, it needs you sinking money into this shit as well. And people just aren't going to do that, right. not in a large scale. Not just that, but then also like. One, every single life service game requires a player base so high for it to stay alive in the first place. How like how many of these life service games barely last a year? It's to, it's gotten so bad that I don't know which one still exists. <laughs> that isn't Fortnite or Apex. The massive just literally just the stupid massive ones. Your Fortnite, your Apexes. And honestly, if if somebody told me Apex was gonna go down, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like if they cease development of Overwatch <clears throat> tomorrow, I would not be, be like, huh? surprised at all. Right? It's just like it's it's always been unsustainable. And then combine that with the fact that at this point, the development cycle is almost five years. None of these uh, studios are flex are nimble enough to actually deal with changing uh, markets. Like, let's be real here. For you to have a brand new live service game that's actually going to survive and actually make money, you have to be doing something radically different and better. Shit, hyenas didn't even make it out of beta. Right. They were like, yeah, we're going to people have played it, but we're going to cancel it because we can write it off easier than if we actually release this <coughs> game and we're on the hook for supporting this game. What type of game was Hyenas? It was Sega's first person uh, like extraction shooter. Yep. Yep, like Honestly, the only reason I think Marathon is even going to do decently well is because it's going to soak up the Destiny PvP community. Well, there's that, and there it's Bungie, and now it's they're Bungie. owned by Sony, so they're going to have Sony bankrolling a lot of. Because I can tell you, I can tell you right now, I'm being that bitch day one. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm We're all going to be there. That might be the next time I play a shooter. Goddamn, and that's not soon. <laughs> that is not soon at all right. right and even me who's a fan of shooters there's nothing announced on the yeah, that, part of the, the shooter problem is that genre's become on, well it's because all the sh- shooters have become either live service multiplayer games or multiplayer games like where's our epic single player campaigns like the last time we had an honestly in my opinion mind blowing single player campaign was Titanfall 2 Actually, what's that? Immortals of Avium? Isn't that you a shooter? You mean Immortals of Not Surviving? Boy. That well, studio's dead. Yeah, that studio. You know, the game came out. It was a right. single player, yeah. action focused shooter. You know? That was the thing. With the magical just, elements. It, it had was, the pieces to be that game. I think it just wasn't. It came out. Marketed well? I don't know. I think a demo would have did good for it. I didn't because I would have tried that, it. But also with the with the <clears throat> price of games combined with just the rising cost of living, you really have to be like super special and above average to sell a full price game. 
and Immortals of Avaron was not. Well, I mean, the thing was maybe it, <laughs> it was a triple A bankroll like publisher bankrolled game that was a single player new IP that had a serviceable enough story. Like it like Madrid was saying, it really did have all the pieces to and this is what people want it, because like it just didn't have that that secret sauce. And a lot of times that shit could be as much as promotion. Well, Cause for all we know, if we had our hands on it, we'd be like, "Oh man, this game's kind of, this game's kind of awesome." I know people who played it who liked it. Yeah, and I mean, but it's this, also just like out of sight, out of mind, you know. This year's crazy, but like if you really think about all the big releases, they're all parts of big franchises, and so like it's really making more sense, especially in a year like this, for developers and publishers to cash in on IP that they already have. But that's the cannibalization that's causing some of these problems in the first place. And also another thing about it is, but really, really, if you ask me, the biggest problem was, you know, yes, it was a bit of the marketing. It wasn't really marketed that well, but also it's like, it wasn't going to compete with Baldur's Gate. Right. But think about all the big games this year. Baldur's Gate 3, the third game in its franchise, Tears of the Kingdom, the second one of the new Zelda. Baldur's Gate doesn't have, as much as I love Baldur's Gate and I love CRPGs, Baldur's Gate, while being like, yes, it's the third Baldur's Gate game, that style of game doesn't have the pull to the point that everybody who was involved with Baldur's Gate... It's still D and D though, and right. honestly, it's still D&D, an established franchise and an IP that they're cashing that's a known, in on. That's a known quantity, right? It it is, but it's and like people people have been playing it in early access. People have been talking about it. People have right. been dick riding that game before it came out. Shit, I was <laughs> exactly. I so that, that just goes to show, like, even if you don't have the marketing push, you got that sauce that's gonna push the game to the next level from influencers. People talking about it on podcasts, um, fucking having early access, people playing it, putting hands on, and that type of game, that type of community, they spend a lot of time online. They're chronically online. I they're in forums. That, also, but I feel like the biggest <laughs> Shooters, reason they're like, why, mm, shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, but the reason why I feel like it, the biggest reason why I didn't, I didn't, I felt like that game wasn't going to succeed is simply because it came out in August. There's that too. Picking like when your game really, comes out in today's age, like exactly. picking, picking when your like, game comes out in today's age is so fucking important because with the way people's pockets are set up, with the way people's attention span is set up, with the way the the gaming system ecosystem is set up, all attention has to be on what's out, what's new, what's hot, what score is it getting? Is this game of the year? Like that's one of the biggest fucking things now. Is this game of the year? Can we create content off of this? Can we infinitely create content off of this? But also, are people are going you, to stream this? You know, all that type of shit factors that. in. Right, and then combine that with the fact that, like, we're also in August, we got a lot of games that are serving underserved audiences. Like, the last good CRPG was Divinity 2. Like, there was Divinity 2, and then it's like, we got what a mech game. Disco we got Elysium? Disco Elysium, I slick. Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium is peak, but I slick don't want to count that because that feels. Yes, Disco Elysium, but that's not a. That's not a fantasy game. That's like a weird. That's a weird like Russian Eastern European noir game. 
You know, it's one of those, yes, Disco Elysium, but it's like, really the reason why I go to Divinity 2 is because Disco Elysium doesn't feel like Baldur's Gate. <laughs> it's, a, right. it's in the same genre, the, but that's a whole different animal. It's the closest, it's the closest to that game would be the yeah. Divinity, would be the Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Let's see. I get like, it. I mean, yeah. like even like even let's 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 look at Armored Core here. That's more of a niche game, but it's coming from a studio that is now one is the premier studio in fucking gaming. So that's just just going right. to be multiple hot. game of the year awards <laughs> under their belt. <laughs> but also, when was the last time you had a mech game? A, a mech game where you got to truly customize your mech. Damon X. There was probably some shit after that. There's, Several mech games come out. Well, yeah, front mission <laughs> just under the like, radar. The Square Enix has just been putting out remakes of the old front mission game, so there's. I think the only mech game where you can't really customize your mech is Zone of the Enders, but. Oh, and I guess maybe this. like Into the Breach, but Into the Breach is his own. And then there's fucking Thirteen Sentinels, which is oh, so that's, fucking... that's that's a whole different. There's also right. like there's like this mech game. It has like all of the anime mechs in it, and oh, they're like I, I don't know the name Wars. of that. Yeah, some shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, we don't hear about those. We hear about Armor Core. Right. And I mean, even Armored Core, I so I've been playing Pokemon because Armored Core was going to be my game to get me up to Spider-Man. And like Armored Core just wasn't clicking. Like it didn't have that like feel that I wanted to have. It like, and it's pacing just, it seems like a game. It just wasn't the right time for, for me, you know? It seems like one of those games you really want to go and get into the nitty gritty of it, and I just don't yeah. have the time slash like attention. Right now, you you want to you want to collect and organize and sort. I'm not. Nah, he wants a game shit. where it's like there isn't as much of a barrier between you and getting through the damn game. Right, I bulldoze my way through that entire game. I am on area zero, and I'm on. I did. No, like, Pokemon? Yeah. When you turned your brain off and just like was in type there. Type advantage, type advantage, type advantage, type advantage. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that Pokemon. matters in single player. That's the only thing that. That's why we have so many p- people who play Pokemon and like, why wouldn't you just stack up on damaging moves? Just stack. Stab only. Because that's, that's, all you, that's all you need for single player. That's and then all they, you need for single player. You don't that's, need strategy. That's me. I never, I never saw the point in like using those other moves unless it was like a certain Pokemon. I'm like, I'm gonna kind of play it. I'm kind of play it like a poison type. You kind of fuck around or some shit or grass. No, no, no. I'm gonna hit you with a burn or a poison and then swords dance that sweep. See, it would just yeah, be got a swords sweep. dance. I'd skip the poison. I'd skip the swords dance. I'd just hit you with a flamethrower. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I I use a lot of psychic types, so I'm special attack. Like fuck, <laughs> I would be a psychic type trainer. I don't care. This special game attack. finally has me really back to where I'd probably be a fire type trainer, like a gym leader. 
just specialize in like camera up, Torkoal, Skrill Edge. I mean, shit. I slick want to get back into Pokemon, but I'm like, every time I look at uh, Scarlet and Violet, I'm like... It's a good game. That is what I'll say. It's a good game. It. How does it run? Oh, yeah. Terrible. Gar. Uh, <laughs> absolutely hot garbage. Single frames. Like... So, so basically, I should just download Temtem. No. This is a better game than Temtem. Content-wise, story-wise, character-wise, world-wise. Like, this is... It is one of the best Pokemon games I've played. Especially getting into Area Zero, like... Beating the Elite Four, doing all of that. Facing your rival, like... The Titan storyline. I thought Chris had beaten the game... Then nah, yesterday he Chris was starts playing the game for a while, and then he sets that down and does other shit. Oh, no, I just picked it up and have burned through it. But I'm enjoying it. That's the thing. Like, Area Zero, I'm <coughs> excited to see how they introduce catchable Paradox Pokemon and what I got to do to get the Violet exclusives on those. Because I... Is it just you can catch one of each of the paradox pokemon or are they just going to be spawned in the wild but yeah i i will I say know. as far as just like a main series pokemon game outside of legends arceus this is the one where it's like they actually tried to make a game out of it you know they took the elements they had and they thought about how to use them creatively and like bring back good ideas from old games. And if it didn't run at five frames per second, 90% of the time, like outside of that, it's really good. The battling solid, like the roster of Pokemon's good. There are gym leaders that I actually remember. There were, there was a character that, there were multiple characters that were multiple people. So it was like, oh, I know this person. Oh, crap, this person's the leader of Team Star. And I mean, some of those things you saw coming from a mile away. <coughs> but I mean, like, even. We're though, not children. Yeah. <laughs> some of the gym tests, I'm just like. You would have to be just so terribly terrible at video games to fail these. But I mean, it totally would make sense as like a kid's first video game. But then there's also the stuff for the people who have been playing Pokemon 20 something years now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, one thing that is kind of like is interesting to see is like people who don't really play video games or that are getting into it like especially if they're older and they didn't they weren't like raised with games or didn't really get a chance to play and, and they just have this lack of game sense just, <laughs> just those things that gamers that people have developed over the years like let's say if they're playing an rpg just checking other places to get that side item or like 
knowing kind of like the inherent motions with certain fighting games or um, that's why tutorializing video games is so hard because it's like you're dealing you got to make a you got to make the game intuitive and tutorialize it in a way so that if you never played a video game you can learn how it works while also not boring to death the people who have been playing video games for 45 years like it's one of the things that's always interesting to see with people who don't play games is how they handle motion controller. Well, <laughs> two two joysticks, like having a joystick. Oh shit! How <laughs> <laughs> we how we work this motherfucker? But even if they're holding it in the correct orientation. Right, but then also it's like actually knowing where the buttons are. Yeah. Like actually knowing which button is what. What does what? Every time I go back and forth between PlayStation and Switch, it's like... Somebody kicked you in the nuts. (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) X is confirmed. A is confirmed. Why are X and A not in the same place? The fact that X is confirmed for us is brazy because, like, usually X means no. <laughs> and I mean, in Japan, it was inverted. Like, circle meant confirm, yes. Which makes sense. Back, no. But no, no that makes they... sense in every in every other context outside of video games. Circle being confirmed, X being no, makes perfect sense. And it's only it's only like that because of the fucking PlayStation now, and we're like, well, man, X mean yes, <laughs> no, no. Do you go back to your X? No. <laughs> and also, I refuse refuse to call uh, the start button options. I'm not doing that. I say options now, or on no, Switch Plus. Yeah, I say options because I gotta specify. You know, these stupid fucking buttons. What about the touchpad? (laughs) That was just free real estate for a long time. (laughs) It was free real estate. I mean, it was the select button. I mean, it still kind of is the select button. Like, you'd hit select to bring up your map. You hit Select never did shit, though. Like, back in... It was just a fucking button that was there. It never did anything. No, and, like, Call of Duty would bring up the scoreboard now in Call of Duty to bring up the scoreboard. On PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, that shit didn't do anything. It was just a button next to the fucking start. (laughs) Or pause. (laughs) I mean, on PS3, I feel like I got a lot of use out of it. Oh, I mean, that's... Nobody cares about the PS3. PS3 don't even care about the PS3. Well, yeah, PlayStation definitely doesn't care about PS3. PS3 looks like a time capsule, some shit you would open up, and there's just a bunch of things in it from the 80s. Maybe, like, I never had the OG PS3. I think Chris is the only one. It was real barrel-chested, you know? Yeah. I have the Slim and the Super Slim. And the Super Slim looks like a George Foreman grill. And I mean, you're not storing much of anything in either the Slim or the Super Slim. Right, right. Now, those designs, they kind of ate with those. 
I still think like the Slim was the best design out of all the PS3s. But I mean, the Super Slim serves its purpose. It's my functional 250 gigabyte PS3 with a bunch of stuff loaded onto it. And I have a functional controller and I have functional PS3 games that were never released digitally on disc. So if ever I need to, if ever I really need to play Bleach Soul Resurrection. I can do that. You feel that way? I mean, it's just a possibility. I'm mad that it's super hard to get Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, the PS3 version. Because I would definitely play that. Mm, I see. Alright, so earlier in the show we were talking about Embracer Group. And the KOTOR remake got its trailer pulled (laughs) due to licensing issues. But part of the reason that I think that the KOTOR remake is just canceled is because Aspire, the team that's supposed to be developing it, is developing it under Saber Interactive, which is under the Embracer group. So with the amount of projects being canceled and considering it's a, not a Lord of the Rings project, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to get canceled. Yeah. I mean, it's only a matter of time before the X starts coming down on the Lord of the Rings <laughs> projects too. And the crazy part is Gollum was an Embracer group. And then the next Lord of the Rings game that was announced, that's like an Animal Crossing Hobbit game is also not Embracer Group. So they own the rights to the franchise, but somehow these games are coming out and they're predominantly a gaming company and yet they're not going to reap the rewards from either of these projects. Was it just because those, those were already in development before Embracer bought those rights? I think so, and I think they might have, like, movie rights or something, or, like, certain franchise things, but maybe not actually the video games, because there are other things that they've, like, absorbed, like, Tomb Raider, and, like, I'm sure they're going to be making money off this new Tomb Raider anime, so... Who knows? I didn't see. I didn't look at the trailer for that. Does she have triangle titties? No, I didn't watch the trailer either. But I saw a couple screenshots from the trailer and uh, missed opportunity, in my opinion. But it's fine. That's with the Tomb Raider one, two, three collection coming to Switch in February. That's what that's for. <laughs> but yeah, so. That's why I added this to the notes earlier, and Jalen's like, I don't think it's canceled. The trailer got pulled due to rights, and I'm like, oh, no. It's Embracer Group. Oh, yeah. Like, the KOTOR remake remaster situation. Well, the there was a whole thing with the remaster where they promised the DLC for 2 was coming to the Switch version from this same studio. And they were just like, yeah, we can't do that. And so now, 
Aspire is being sued for false advertising because they said that the KOTOR 2 DLC for the remastered version on Switch was going to happen and then now it's just not. Tail. Yeah, so Aspire, I remember when this was announced and they've been porting like all the non-modern Star Wars games. So everything that's not like Mm -hmm. being developed by EA or Respawn, well, EA... Uh, they are, they've been porting. So like the Force Unleashed all, that's been ported everywhere, Super Star Wars, Pod Racers, like this is a port studio and this was going to be their opportunity to show that they are capable developers, especially working with the Star Wars IP, but I just don't see it happening. Especially yeah. with Embracer Group as not Sturdy as they are. Yeah, it might be never sturdy. It might be cut. It was all lies. These corporations all gambling with people's lives. Right. On some bullshit. Because a couple of weeks ago we talked about volition closing, and then it was like they laid off people at Gearbox. Like Epic having layoffs was one thing, and then Microsoft also having layoffs recently, and Blizzard. Blizzard, they're restructuring the Hearthstone team because Hearthstone is not as big as it used to be. And with that restructuring, had laid people off. So it's just kind of these stories keep coming back to back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I hate hate hearing about it. And one thing I do want and hope that can come of this or these people that are affected by this one, they don't let this shit drag them down mentally and emotionally because I know that shit fucking sucks, but that they're able to like, you know, take that as motivation and kind of rally together and work to start creating more and more of those like indie studios and devs and work on some of those passion projects that always like kept getting pushed off to the side or things that they tried to pitch, but studios weren't hearing it. You know, yeah. that could be what could help save the game industry. Because if we continue down this path, they're going to fucking call a duty us to death. I mean, yeah. Really, part of it, though, is one, corporate expectations. Two, like, so so many times, you know, we got these companies trying to do, well, one, Profit-driven companies are going to constantly need more and more profits. So, therefore, right. it will inevitably cannibalize itself. That is a feature, yeah. not a bug. Like a dragon, infinite money. That's, <laughs> that <laughs> name, that name, it's like, they're, t- they're trying to tell you, it's like, once that search for money, it's infinite. Like, these things, these corporations, they're exponentially going to want more money. Like, exponentially. That's not sustainable. <laughs> right. Combine that with the fact that, like... Some of these games, some of these expect, and then also combine that with like the modern expectations of what a quote unquote AAA game is, is a bit uh, unsustainable. It's archaic too, like, and unnecessary because a lot of what is touted as generation defining ain't even like technologically isn't what makes a good game. Is like that's part of the reason why games are struggling to run because it's like 
we're at the point where every single game has to push every single piece of hardware to its absolute minutes. You used to have a little bit of wiggle room with the with these games, but it, now it's it like kind of like a arc where it would be like the generation would start off shaky because people were still getting used to the hardware. And then you'd get to the mm-hmm. point where it's like, yes, these are real generations. We've cracked it. We've cracked the code on how to do this shit. Right. When we start getting our sequels to our like launch era kind of new things, by the time we start getting sequels to those, people have started. It's like, all right, we're used to developing all this hardware. And then towards the end, mm-hmm. we'd sort of kind of see the <coughs> seams a little bit as far as like. Games not running as well, kind of being ready for the new hardware. But now it just seems like out the gate, everybody's already familiar because the architecture in these systems is a lot more consistent over time. So out the gate, we're getting stuff. And then there's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of overhead for games to be improved even year over year the way they were before because there's just if you know where your ceiling is and you hit the ceiling you just kind of there's not a lot of room to grow from that I mean on the design side yeah on the like probably on the creative side there are a lot of different avenues you can take but as far as just like that's when you start to innovate (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's that's some of the things that I'm looking for now more in in games is like how are you innovating like how are you like what are you what is your vision of this world and how are you going to bring that to life is Honestly, it by using the same blueprint in sandbox or are you going to you know mix it up a little bit and try something different and see if that really works Honestly I'm yeah. the opposite I think we need to go a couple of rungs down the ladder I, that's, you know, it's like the things that I val- I personally value in games aren't the technological stuff. I'm not really looking for, for example, Sea of Stars is one of the best games that I've played this year, but it's beautifully derivative. Like, I've seen most of what it's done in another game, but it does it well, and it's fun. Like, I right. feel like this search for innovation also creates the scope issue. Like that's part of the reason why. No, because no, the thing with the thing with Sea of Stars is they did use a fair amount of in- innovation within the game and how they approached it. They had their vision, and while they used the traditional means to kind of make it, they also used like innovative techniques to really bring that out. Like look at the water physics and the in the the dynamic lighting. That shit, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that on a Game Boy. <laughs> like yeah. that's something they had to work, and they sat there and made and created that shit themselves. Like that takes innovation. A bit iffy on that, but I agree that they put you know the time, effort, and everything they did was done with quality. Absolutely, that game is spectacular. Right. But it's just like it's not. I don't see it actually pushing anything forward it's just content with being a quality product and i and that's one of the things i appreciate the most out of it like the fact that i got the true ending in less than 30 hours is spectacular for me that's also why i'm a little annoyed with starfield because starfield has a scope issue like 
if Bethesda cut out like two or three of its features, that game would have been so much more polished, so much better. But it's doing too much. And I it's doing it's doing too much. And some of that stuff that it's doing, I'm like, I don't really feel the need to interact with. Well, I mean it's just options. Because they they're essentially they built Starfield as a sandbox for modders to come in and like the game that released... I've never liked that argument that they built it for modders. I feel like that's the excuse Bethesda gets for the fact that their stuff tends to be janky, unpolished messes. Well, I mean, this isn't as much of an out-of-the-box janky mess, but there are so many, like... It, it, it got that... some jank to it, I will say. Like, I'm about 12 to 15 hours in, like... There's been some jank. Yeah, but I I don't think it's like... Have you had any hard crashes? Well, no. And this is something I would like to say about Bethesda games is outside of Skyrim specifically, not too many of their games had like raw performance issues. Fallout 4, I don't know. You know, I, I like to pretend that game doesn't exist. Fallout uh, 4 and Skyrim, the game, the two games that this game is the most derivative from. Oh, even when I played I Fallout 4, this, it had it had a, plenty of fucking issues. And I was oh, no, I didn't say it wasn't an version. issue, though, but those games are janky as fuck. Like, that is a... I was, I was playing this shit a couple years after it came out, and that shit ran like shit. So yeah, they had time to work on, on that. on console, you didn't have where people on PC took that game into their own hands and like actually took the care that was needed to be taken of that game. Feel like that's a, just... that's a condemnation on Bethesda. Yeah. Like... I'm a, there's a reason I haven't played Starfield yet because it's like, Oh, Bethesda game studios. No, I've given you guys your fair shot and you've blundered it every single time. And so I refuse. It doesn't matter. Even if Starfield ran at 60 FPS, 4k, uh, just like flawless execution, like as far as like on a technological level, which I know it's not doing because it's capped Definitely at ain't. thirty on yeah. console. Which like, honestly, which which I'm gonna say this right now, it feels fine. Like the thirty FPS doesn't yeah, I mean, feel that bad. You know, it's not even noticeable. Like especially with what the game is trying to do. Like the game doesn't require reflexes like that. Yeah, and I mean like two of my favorite games that I've played this year, Pokemon and Tears of the Kingdom, are on Switch. Capped at 30. Poke in Pokemon's case, definitely running below 30 most of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like yeah. I feel like with and I, but that's also goes back to the whole scope issue that I'm talking about. Like I feel like if Bethesda like I don't need outpost. I don't need base building. Like I don't need that. You could have taken see, that. Whoa. Well, you don't need that. Somebody else is fucking dick hard off off of it. Yep. You know that right. that goes to what to what their vision was of like here's a game where you might not do X, Y, and Z, but you're going to do A and B, and that's cool, right? Right, and that's why the fuck am I defending Starfield? Yeah, fuck base building. But, but it's one of those things shit. where it's like, but it's one of those things where it's like the game is doing too much that most of it isn't really 
polished. Like there's some things that are real. It's a, it's a lot of surface level experiences instead of something, one thing that's really refined. Exactly. There's, there's a couple of things, like there's, there's some things that they really, you could see they put the time and effort that they really get like the, uh, prestige worlds like those the worlds that are like yeah this is where the narrative stuff is happening and blah 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 all those worlds wonderfully designed those are fun to explore those are cool you can run and get in trouble with but some of those random like off worlds are kind of just there and a bit bland you know the the i will say these are probably some of the best written companions bethesda has made in like Mm -hmm. ever like I found myself actually caring about more than one of them. Here's my, here's my gaming hot take. And I think less games need crafting. All the games that are coming out, they don't fucking need crafting. Like, why the fuck do I have to craft something? Like, it doesn't make sense. Just let me, just let me buy it and call it a fucking day. And this I don't want to go out here. This is y'all are trying to artificially create a reason for me to go fucking explore this world and go do go to some fucking bumfuck nowhere that doesn't fucking matter just to collect this fucking goblet or fucking teardrop or what? Like, come on! Like the game itself isn't focused on crafting. Something like Horizon that makes sense. Something like Monster Hunter core element, perfect, fantastic. Final Fantasy make- sixteen did not need it. Heck, to make it even worse. Full stop. Didn't need it. To make it even worse, Bethesda's still holding on to that fucking relic of an encumbrance mechanic. I hate it. It's awful. Hate it. It pisses hate me it. off. Especially with the fact that there's a crafting system. I never have what I need to fucking craft shit. Right. Because I'm always running out of fucking space. And in Starfield, mm-hmm. if you're over encumbered and you're not walking at the worst pace possible, you just straight up die. You will just die. Like... Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. That's that's something we need to move away from. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna inundate me with digital assets, you should give me a way to m- properly manage them and not punish me for you forcing these shits down my throat. I don't want to have to organize that. That's too that's too much work. That's not fun. I don't see the fun in having to go in and constantly deleting shit that you don't care about. It's stupid. Yeah, but it's it's pointless. Like- it's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of money. Let's cut it out. Anton, how do you feel about crafting? Yeah, how do you feel about crafting? I mean, they threw TM crafting into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And I'm just like... Yeah, I'm glad there's not over-encumbrance in a lot of the games that I'm playing that have crafting. Like Zelda. Crafting and cooking are the two that are... It's just like... those make sense in in that type of game. It it's fine. I I understand why that is there, especially with Tears of the Kingdom and crafting. Like you literally have a hand and you're forging shit, right? Right. You're but- crafting interesting things. Like the problem with like part of the reason why like Starfield's crafting feels so bad is the encumbrance mechanic. Right. Because I can't just. You're punishing me for wanting to craft. Yep. Because you're forcing me to craft by force feeding me this bullshit. And not just that, but also, also, this also could be solved if you could just automatically send shit to your ship's cargo beyond 400 fucking meters. But it's also like these enemies are dropping weapons that I could sell for money. 
You're putting me in all these combat encounters. They don't drop credits. Most of them don't drop money, but their guns are worth money. Some of their guns are fucking rare or yada yada rarity that makes them worth more money. And ships are expensive because I'm telling you this right now. I don't feel like building a goddamn ship. That is not something I feel like doing. I don't need that. Well, you should yeah. steal it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some are ships you, that are you, steal. Are no, you, there's some ships are that you, steal. Are you a good cowboy? <laughs> uh, I'm currently involved in corporate espionage, so, you know. Oh, yeah, you can steal. Well, it's fine. Eh. Why cheat steal? Yeah. yeah. You're, I mean, you're a spy. Y'all... Y'all will steal things. Y'all will, like, fucking have sex. Y'all don't care. That's part of your mission. Anything falls within the parameters of your mission. Gotta find a ship to steal, though, because the ship actually has to be landed near you for you to then board it and steal it. Oh, I can't help you there. Exactly. It's like, every time I start having fun with Starfield, the encumbrance mechanic comes back and pisses me off. Yeah, but I not. mean, encumbrance is just a terrible, like, let's limited inventory. Come on, y'all. Let's get rid of it. Any form of, like, like where a game has you picking things up and then is limiting you on the amount of things you can pick up. I just think, like, you sh- shouldn't have limited inventory space. Or at least have a solution for it, like... I'm trying to think. Like, like a lot of solutions and things, like things of that nature, certain mechanics and systems in games feels like punishment. Yeah, it definitely like feels some, like punishment. It's like some shit your parents will will force you to do that to play this psychological warfare with you to make you know that you not doing your homework was a bad thing. So now you can't fucking enjoy your video games. Like, what's up with that? Because Why are they this, doing this? It's this false obsession with the idea of realism. They're focused on this idea of realism instead of making the game feel good. Like, that's the thing about it is, while encumbrance is realistic, like you wouldn't be able to carry a bunch of bullshit, it feels like shit. Even if you have a companion that has your exact inventory yeah, space, it I mean, feels like shit. Because even if you're looking at the encumbrance... You don't have a fucking pocket dimension to store all that shit anyway. (laughs) You might as well give me a pocket dimension to store that shit because I'm acting like I have one. You're just weighing me down. Exactly. So just give me one full stop. And then it's worse when you do something like fast when you finish up a quest. And so you fast travel to the quest location instead of the starport. Therefore, you're automatically encumbered and you're either walk crawling or dying to your way to a fucking vendor so you could sell that shit. Every time I start having fun in that game, it does something to piss me off. But that's the games, basically. If you can get into the flow of it, it's a lot of fun. Like when I'm not dealing with inventory shit and I'm going from temple to temple, getting space powers and shit, or just going through their premier worlds, doing side quests and shit, it's fun. It's fun. But it's just like, I feel like I'm kicked in the balls every like hour or so by something. Yeah. Anyway, fucking Epic Games. Yeah. Late, they recently laid off 830 employees, about 16% of their staff. They are just not profitable. 
And part of that is because Fortnite, one reason is that Fortnite money started slowing down. Like most of the money Fortnite has made in recently has been come coming from things with creator splits. Mm-hmm. And then combine that with the fact that they bought Bandcamp for no damn reason. Like, why the fuck would you do that? See, it was part of their whole metaverse play, which during the pandemic, like, seemed like a legitimate play for people. It never seemed like a legitimate play. The metaverse is a dead fucking mall, man. Like, the metaverse was. It's microtransaction hell. Like, why would I purposefully subjugate myself to that level of microtransaction hell? ushered in through the trap that is Facebook. Not just that, but also what the fuck are they offering me? It's like, well, you, I mean, it's like in the specific case of Epic, like it was a social game that they had where people would go and play the game instead of socializing IRL due to not being able to socialize IRL. And so in that moment, if you already have something that people are already using for that, as it's like the Discord or the PSN, it's still like a social, primarily focused thing where we go to interact. And so in that moment, just based on the fact that people were already using Fortnite as that, it made sense. And one, what was one of the most successful and popular and, like, biggest things they did? Concerts. So being a, having an avenue to work with musicians more directly, because they had the big ones where it was, like, Ariana Grande, Travis Scott, like, these big, huge event-level ones. But they also had smaller ones with more independent artists, and it'd be like, hey, go to this island and watch this DJ do a set. And so they had options for stuff like that where it actually let people be creative and like get these people in front of a wider audience because it's just something like if you're logging into this game regularly and it gives you that variety of things to do other than a hundred people jump out of a plane onto an island, last one standing wins. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I still disagree with you because I feel like one, it was it goes back to the sustainability thing. Like one, the things that were interesting with the metaverse were also expensive as shit. Like that Ariana Grande concert and the Travis Scott concert were not, and Marshmallow were not free. And also, I believe that it was the novelty of it. Like, I think it was the fact that people haven't seen it before, mate. It's the same thing with the whole fucking VR concert selling that they were, they've were they been trying to do forever. Where it's like, you use your VR to buy special seats at the fucking concert. Because, you know, tickets are dumb as shit because of scalpers. It's like, none of that took off. Right. I, I feel like things like that are good options. Like... Not primary, not secondary, like a tertiary option or option for like certain situations. You know, people who can't leave, people who physically can't make it, things like that. That should that option seems cool. It should be there. It should be viable. But that shouldn't that shouldn't be what you're focusing your business on. Right. It should like be the, the primary. primary should be something that is 
proven to work, it makes sense and it's sustainable. You know what I'm saying? Instead of <laughs> fucking yeah, whatever they're doing. All right, so Mediatonic, another one of the acquisitions Epic made. I don't think it's been closed. I thought they just had layoffs. Yeah, a, a lot of the a lot of the team there was included in the layoffs. Basically, they're decimated, though. Like, the yes. studio remains open, but, you know, they're basically just enough people to keep Fall Guys alive. I don't think we're ever going to see... I don't think we're actually going to see, like, real updates or any new developments from that game. It's like, this is just enough staff to keep it going. Well, Fall Guys will live on in Final Fantasy fourteen. Crazy statement, but somehow is actually true. Damn. <laughs> so earlier we were talking about like people leaving these bigger publishers and going off to start their own thing. Hideki Kamiya is leaving Platinum. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Stig left Respawn, and then like the creator of Yakuza had left that studio. Like, we were mm-hmm. seeing a lot of these big names in the industry. We were talking about Apex, that none of the development team that made Titanfall 2 or Apex Legends when it was good, that the majority of those leads aren't even at Respawn anymore. And so having no longer having Kamiya at Platinum, it seems like their highest level creative person is the guy who was responsible for Astral Chain. So it's not all doom and gloom. I don't think... Like, Platinum's had some tough times recently, but, like... Isn't there one more game we're still waiting on? From Platinum? Like the like the Kaiju game? Oh, you're talking about the Project GG? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? No. Apparently it's still gonna happen. Are the scales bound on that one? <laughs> I mean, like, with Kamiya gone, like, scale bound is, that, is going to be his Is thing. that switch to territory? Because I've forgotten about it until we start talking about Platinum. And you start digging for deep cuts, so. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, the next near game. They have some, like... I just want a fucking... I either want... There's two things that I want, and both of them involve Astral Chain. Astral Chain 1 being on every console, and an announcement for Astral Chain 2 also being just on every console. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that'd be easy money for them. It's just, who published Astral Chain? Did Nintendo publish Astral Chain? I'm not sure how that deal went. <clears throat> so it may it may be like a, some sort of partnership where this shit it can't leave Nintendo. Yep, that's a Nintendo published game. Yep, so it's the same deal as Bayonetta, where it's like it'd be great to see this other places, but oh, 
just gonna close that so it doesn't start playing an Astro Chain trailer. Um, but yeah, so it's like Bayonetta. Like Bayonetta three would be great if it were anywhere other than the Switch. I feel like that could strive a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, some things are great while on Switch though. In the Microsoft League. In spite of the Switch, some things are great. Yeah. <laughs> Katana Zero still, like, that game was really, I know I got to it super late, but when I was looking for a game like that, having that be that available like that in that form, it was great. Is it just on Switch? It's on Steam, but it's not on, like, PlayStation. Oh. It's supposed to come to PlayStation at some point. Oh, yeah. But it has been literally... With the DLC? With, like, DLC? (laughs) Oh, man. It's been years since we heard anything on the... Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of times our our expectations in terms of development is super skewed. So, I mean, I get it, you know. It is what it is. Yeah, so one of the other stories I wanted to talk about this episode was Jim Ryan stepping down on PlayStation. I'm so happy we finally (laughs) get it. You weren't a fan? No, no. Every time Jim Ryan would say anything or do anything, I it would just be like, "This is the part of PlayStation that I don't like." This is like just he was kind of like a finance focused person, and so not necessarily as creative focused as some of the prior CEOs of PlayStation have been, and you know. Jim Ryan made a lot of good business decisions for PlayStation, but those weren't necessarily the decisions that PlayStation fans, like, the PS5 came out and has been a success, yes, but as far as first-party output, and I know technically Herman Hulst is in charge of PlayStation Studios, it's just, you know, at... There are so many quotes out of Jim Ryan that just get thrown. Yeah. In- My biggest issue with PlayStation right now is them trying to push all those fucking live service games. It's like, all right, sure, a handful of them's fine. Like, Ghost makes sense. I- anything Bungie does would make sense. And, like, let's say one more, maybe two more. Well, last but of it's also one of those would have made sense. Well, Last of Us Factions basically had to remain. Bunch took one look Does at it, that shit and was like, Ugh. Did, it, did it make sense, though? It could have just been... It could have I mean, just it been... Was a, it was oh. something that happened before. I could see if they were trying to do Last of Us Factions with no precedent. Right, but like didn't they say they, they pretty much overshot the scope of what that game should have been? Yeah, I mean, we had... So you combined the scope of what they were going for... In combination with trying to make it a live service game, those two things really should not mix. <laughs> Is it I, I get the idea of why they would go with so many live service games. Like, I get the idea, 
the yeah, it would maybe if they would have did that shit like seven years ago, that would have made sense. Right. Go, but there are seven years too fucking late. And I mean, to start developing and trying to crank those shits out now. Bungie was the only studio that had the foresight to kind of you know innovate in this space and get in early enough that the fact that Destiny's still around and it's still like active, you know. Like yeah, I mean, those are the the ones that survived. Like, right, but I mean, I get the, but also when part Destiny of the reason, came out, there weren't, yeah, any, there wasn't anything else on that level. Like even the live services that we've played, as far as like your traditional live service shooter, like Destiny was the first one of those that we had. Because Borderlands wasn't doing it. Even Battleborn wasn't doing it. Lawbreakers wasn't doing Part of, it. Well, did Borderlands ever get a live service game? I just thought 3 sucked. No. Yeah, Borderlands still hasn't done a yeah, lot. Even though that like, would make so much fucking sense. I mean, no, it doesn't. Because Borderlands... It's one of those things with Borderlands. It's like, the things that made Borderlands, Borderlands special in a post-Destiny world was its writing... And after Borderlands 3 and tale, New Tales of the Borderlands, they kind of showed that you don't have the chops for that anymore. So yeah. it's like, and Tiny that Tiny game would Wonderland. be insufferable. Like, legitimately, that game would be insufferable to play. But also, like, the development time on games wasn't nearly as long as it is now. Like, games, like, it, that's why I say it makes sense. Because I, it's like, you would want something to bring in revenue while you're prestige games take like five to eight years right that's that's kind of where <laughs> those other more mid-tier games come in and they can even make right right but they don't fucking exist it's like the the evaporating middle class just doesn't fucking exist right but those games should be there to kind of like fill in the gaps like there shouldn't be so many major like big games coming out like that, like that, like that. But we're kind of getting to the space of oversaturation where all these people have been working on these games for so long. And now it's time. They're all coming out, hitting, hitting. And those smaller games are end up fucking floating under the radar. And when you're, when you end back up in that drought of like games and you're like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to play now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and those smaller games aren't coming out anymore and we're waiting on these bigger games and here we are with these I will say services. this though, and this is why I, I continue consistently love playing in the more indie space because that's where those smaller games are that are really right. good, that are holding me over in between the big releases that I actually care about. Dredge is really good. Uh, right, and that was, that was my next point. I was going to say... In, in lieu of focusing in on live service games, you can go back to promoting more of those indie games, spotlighting those, using that as a means to like bolster your fucking your catalog until those larger games come out. But here we are. They just want to milk us for our money. But I mean, in time, we're getting middle class games from Japan because like, look at Jump Assemble. That is not a big budget AAA like high production value thing. It's also well, not a small game. Games, though. <laughs> that like, shit is 
That shit's like, fucking cursed, but it's cursed, but it could be so fucking inspired. If they if they execute it, no, it's no, gonna no, be they, fucking they're inspired. They're not gonna execute it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not gonna execute it. They're not gonna fucking execute it. But they got they got Yuji, they got fucking they got Marshall, and they, they got, got my Andy. boy. They got them on the on the cover. I'm like, all right, I mean shit, we in it. We in it. We in it, baby. Let's fucking go, baby. Ichigo. It's good to see them acknowledge that, right? They had the they had the big three, Goku, all right there. You feel me? Goku and Luffy right here because those are the two guys. And Naruto, fucking Ichigo, right here. And then you know, here's your Tanjiro, here's your Yuji. It's like, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, are they gonna remember those older kind of fall no. between the waistlines, no, the Suniyoshi's, no. no. the Torikos? <laughs> no, nope. I mean, that is one thing that I will give Jump Force is that it did have some of those, like, deeper cuts. The fact that Yoroichi became a playable character. Oh, they just needed more women, like, in the roster. And, yeah. you know, Shonen's misogynistic as fuck, so there's only so many to pull from. So it's like, well, we might as well pick the popular one. Oh, let's get a person of color here. How many people amongst all those series, how many people of color are fucking represented in any of those? Exactly. So, obvious pick. I love her, though. So I'm glad she made it. But that game was hot ass, so yeah, it's no, like, there was a, what do you do? <laughs> the only redeeming quality about that game was that... It's the fucking female cast came from Bleach! <laughs> in that, in that yeah. game! In that damn game! <laughs> or One Piece and... You know. People came from One Piece. Probably just Hancock, huh? Let me you know, it's more than other game. series. I mean, they could throw it... I mean, they could throw in, like, Nami, Nico... Yeah, man, I, bro, I, I love Nami so much. Cause she just acts like she doesn't like. She be like, "Oh no, fight!" But she got hands. She just knows she that at this like, point in the series, she's gotten outscaled by the fact that like half of the cat people who are fighting these days have like either hockey or some other insane bullshit. Well, she wields Zeus. She does which is those. fucking a piece of big mom's also, soul. Speaking of women, which is where the fuck is Ezra? Where the fuck is Ezra from Fairy Tale? Where the fuck is her? Well, she's not jump. Fairy Tale ain't jump. No. I thought Fairy Tale was no. It's no, the other no. one. It's Kodansha. Damn. You can, you, can, you can check out Fairy Tale on the K Manga app, probably for like, for like five bucks a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Ur- Urza was a bad bitch. Oh man, damn, that's fuck. Yeah, yeah. Damn, you know what? I just need a Tokyo Pop fighter. Fuck it, <laughs> give me a Tokyo Pop video game. Well, we need is anything. Wait, wait. A tsunami, yeah, branded something that would. Oh, that'd be too powerful. That's too powerful. We can't have nice things like that. Mm, yeah, no. Speaking of nice things, uh, PlayStation Plus Essential this month is giving me a game that I was gonna wait to go on sale, and it's less than a year old, and it's just gonna be free in the Callisto Protocol. 
Like, I the game to... that Chris, the biggest horror game fan of all of us, didn't bother to finish? Yeah. You wanted to try it? Yeah, I just you wanted should, to give you it should a stream it. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> oh, is that coming next month? October? Yeah, first week of October. We're getting Callisto Protocol. I actually got to look at the other ones. I should. I just downloaded um 13 Sentinels and um near good replicant. Oh, near break my heart. Yeah, I just got to get through Sea of Stars. Um, I think I'm probably like, I got this ship. So would that put me kind of like the halfway point, maybe? Oh, uh, almost the halfway. You're point. at least. I think you crossed the halfway point. I crossed the halfway point. Okay. Yeah. You, no, 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 no. You're not halfway yet. You're almost halfway. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'm like either like halfway's right here. I'm either right here to it or right there to it. Yeah, I say you're about halfway. Yeah. Because uh, one, the whole scene, one, you're about to see some, Sarai's about to go hard in the fucking paint. <laughs> She's about to do some tight ass shit. But uh, also her. the whole scene of crossing the Sea of Stars, you're, gonna, <clears throat> you're not ready to see that. That's fucking amazing. Like, holy shit, Ooh. that game is good. Needs needs that. Okay, and the last story that I have on the dock is that some of the things that we didn't bring up about the Xbox leak last week is that Dishonored 3, Fallout 3, Remastered, Doom Year Zero were all or all unannounced games that showed up on that leak and that we're probably going to get a Series X digital only refresh midway through the yep, generation. It's a cylinder. Yeah, so instead of where we're going we're going to get a PS5 Pro, it doesn't seem like they're changing any of the specs of the Xbox Series X to try and keep up with the mid-gen refresh that PlayStation's all but confirmed to do. Yeah, but also I once again it's like I as we've discussed before, I don't think adding extra horsepower is really going to solve the fundamental issues with... I just want ray tracing at high frame rates. That's all I want. High frame rates, yes, but I feel like... I feel like some of those features that are being sold by graphics cards companies are like... No, part DLSS of the reason... is broken. That's my point. It's like, I feel like these features that are being sold by graphic card companies are part of the reason why games are coming out unoptimized like shit. I mean... Combined with deals, combined with game developers doing certain deals with certain companies, but that's they're doing a deal with AMD. Yeah, but then they modded DLSS support into Starfield within a week, so... If you want to use DLSS on the PC version and you have a graphics card that supports that, you can just use that mod. And there'll be official DLSS support further down the road. We'll see. Could totally just get outright canceled. Yeah. I I don't know. Some of this stuff is like cool. I don't like the fact that we're really like it's 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 hilarious. It's like 
in every other media but video games, we're having a physical revolution where everyone's returning to physical media. Like CD sales are up. Vinyl sales are continuing to come up. DVD yeah. sales are coming up. It's like everywhere other than video games is having this return to physical media. Because with the the thing with the, the difference between the video games and like CDs, DVDs, vinyls, with those, there's a quality difference in the product. Like you're when you're playing it on the CD, you're going through your good speakers. Like it sounds different when you play it through the vinyl, especially it sounds different. If you got it on Blu-ray, it's like, all right, I'm putting it in this dedicated Blu-ray player, whatever. It might look better, right? But when you are when you get a physical game, that shit's just downloading the same shit your digital version is going to download. Like, it's, it's exactly the same. So companies are looking at this as like, I mean, shit, we might as well cut out the fucking middleman and just sell the digital version exclusively. We might as well not even allocate real estate on our consoles for that going forward, you know? So that's, that's definitely a thing that that's a potential future. Now, unless they come up with some way to, I don't know, (laughs) make the physical version better, make it make more sense. I don't know. I really think it's a real future for us. I really think it mostly comes with the fact that like, I think it's a combination of cloud gaming kind of, increasing accessibility without the need of physical and then also just the fact that these dev these console companies aren't putting fucking disk drives on their shit no more as much like just that's really it it's like right because they can usher you to their digital store exactly and in the case of xbox like game pass yeah i mean shit my series (laughs) s that's right next to me does not have a disk drive uh, yeah, my PlayStation, my PlayStation and my PC. Shit, my PC doesn't have a disc. Well, not yet. I am getting a disc drive for my PC, but that's for other reasons. You found for- that booty top. <laughs> <laughs> volume 5. Oh, yeah, I, made it. I made it up to volume 137. <laughs> it never stopped coming out. It's like the one piece. <laughs> it's a weekly series. No, it's like like uh, housing hunters. Just the only one thousand one hundred ninety-seven. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have a one more thing they want to talk about before we wrap for the week? No. Ah. All right. Well, you know. Uh, I've been opening one pack a week out of my Elite Trainer box. So, <laughs> Pokemon cards are slowly amassing around me once again. Nice. So, Oh, I do have one okay. when you're done. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, the new Castlevania is out. Oh, yeah. Out. Nocturne? Ooh-wee. It's a, it is a little different. Like, animation-wise, you can definitely see a lot more of the CGI. But different in team. a lot of places, it's... It's, a, it's it's very subtle. Um, so it still let's is check it out. Like, look away, and you'll miss the Sakuga because I'm. I won't say the animation's as clean as base Castlevania, but it's still extremely clean. It's still it's still extremely clean. The fight choreography is still like 
yeah, that shit's still up there. <laughs> so it's worth the watch for sure. What we need Not quite is done a yet. game based on that anime that's based on a series of games. Hey, you mean just yeah? Honestly, I've been waiting on that. No, it could be like it's Richter. It's fucking Sly God Richter. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying. We we do need to go back first and do the and do the um and do Simon Belmont and Sypha and of course throw Alucard in there and whoever else Alucard was fucking. Yeah, so Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night, but just with the design. Because was was Trevor even art and fucking? That's was Trevor was Trevor even a um like a game character or was yeah. he just from the anime? I I have to double check on Trevor. I because I know I said Simon earlier. I meant to say Trevor. I'm not sure I'd have to check. Because if anything, he was, no, he, yeah, no, just no, he was a... the original. No, no, no. Simon was the original. No, I'm talking about Trevor from the anime. Because so I don't know if he was I don't know if he was anything other than just like maybe a name. No, he was uh he's in Grimoire of Souls. He shows no. up in Grim Dr- Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. I thought that was fucking Simon. I thought Dracula's Curse was two. Simon, 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 and Richter. Says, I think the about them as Castlevania <laughs> fandom wiki, and looking at the page on Trevor Belmont, it looks like. Oh no, two was Belmont's Revenge. My bad. Yeah. So many fucking Castlevania games. Yeah, but uh, Trevor does show up. Yeah. So. We it's it's literally just, just hey Kon- just, it's hey fucking Konami. How about you? Do right. This anime has been coming out and so successful. Yeah, but it needs to. I don't just because they have done the advanced collection. They have done like you want a three D. You want a brand new three D Castlevania game. It could we want an action R- we, I want an action RPG. <laughs> just full stop full stop if we're gonna do the Castlevania anime video game that's based off of video games action RPG might as well to go along with that sweet sweet fight choreography skills and fucking Sakuga yeah might as well baby throw in the anime cutscene straight from the goddamn anime yeah let's go brain off whipping out magic <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Imagine playing as Isaac. Ooh, you up there forging while fucking knifing people? That should be cool as hell. You're asking a lot from Konami. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. We can we can imagine. That way it does happen. I would love a new Castlevania game though. I mean they're, they're doing Metal <clears throat> Gear Solid Delta. It seems like they're just doing the things that semi make sense. So, I mean, we'll see. I just hope that this is will. finally the thing. All right. Well, until next time, you can follow us all collectively around the internet, cheesycontrollerpodcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Anton, the number six with two X's, Madrid. 
X underscore Spain on IG. Jalen. In the Discord. Alright, this has been a No It's Good production. The video version is edited by Long Twisted Mind. The audio version is edited by Akuma Santi. Until next time, keep it cheesy.